Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh. Serve fast. Serve friendly. Lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. Episode 67 is the final installment of Oscar's conversation with the former governor of Kentucky, John Y. Brown. We've heard from Governor Brown about his business ventures and his role in college athletics as it pertains to the state's two biggest universities. But now it's time to hear from the governor about individuals inside the political arena and those in the sports arena. You will hear Governor Brown's opinions and thoughts on the governor's before and after his term in office. Governor Brown will also speak on the past presidents of the University of Kentucky, the former athletic directors, and the former and current Kentucky basketball and football coaches. Governor Brown will discuss with Oscar his favorite UK football and basketball players, as well as some memorable games as a Wildcat fan. Governor Brown will offer up some strong viewpoints on education in this episode, and what you are getting from the governor is a strong education on Kentucky politics and the University of Kentucky. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was noted for giving his fireside chats during his presidential term. In today's digital age, this episode might be the closest you will get to it in the state of Kentucky. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs, and his guest, John Y. Brown. Speaking of that, politics and board, let me just give you a, you give me a brief description of how you view some of your colleagues over the years from the governor's chair. You want me to be politically correct or you want me to tell you? Uh, I want you to just tell it like it is. <laughs> I always you know. do. I, I know you I do, will. but I want to reinforce it. If I Let's, don't want to say anything, I just, I'll pass. That's okay. At my age, I don't, I don't want to condemn anybody. I love everybody. That's for, that's my line. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ned Breathitt. Love him. In fact, he's the reason I got in KFC. He called me at the TV station when I, the colonel did, wanted to hire me. That's how I got the connection. Show you a lot of luck in life. Louis Nunn. Don't respect him. Didn't like him. Didn't like the way he campaigned. Sorry about his son, what happened. I can't blame it on the father, but there again, I didn't ever respect him. Uh, even though he did some, he did one of the great things ever done in Kentucky, is helping uh, create KET with the help of Jim Host. Let me, Jim's my friend, so I'm gonna throw him in there. Wendell Ford. I admired him. Uh, I didn't like politics. I didn't know like J.R. Miller and the way they operated. And I did something along those lines that after he was elected governor, after he retired. Uh, Bill Clinton was having some ceremony in Louisville, and I couldn't help it. I was maybe regretted. He, we've laughed about it since before he passed away. I went up there and I said, Wendell, you know, I admire you and I thank you for what you did uh, for Kentucky and the United States Senate. Truthfully, I never have liked you personally, but I do respect and appreciate the job you did for Kentucky. Now, that's something that my father would have said, don't you think? Yes. Huh? 
Yes. And we laughed about it years later. I mean, we didn't like each other. I mean, he was a political guy, and I'm the newcomer that sort of got rid of all the old guys. But I did respect him. He was a hard worker. Julian Carroll. Uh, that's sort of a sympathetic thing. I mean, I, I'd rather not comment on Julia. Uh, Martha Lane Collins. I think Martha Lane blossomed more after she was governor than during her term. I regret one thing, and I think she made a mistake, and I did, is because I went to her after she elected. I knew that she was a political person working with Wendell Ford and the, the political establishment. And I said, Martha Lane, we'd love to have you join with us, and I think you can be a real asset, and we'd like to utilize your involvement. And she said, well, let me think about it. I never heard back from her. I don't think she ever came to anything we did. I regret that. She vetoed the only two bills uh, that I, I didn't win during my governorship, the, the multi-state banking and the teachers uh, association, whatever that bill was. I don't forget the name of it. And it was a tie vote. And I should have gone to her maybe. I said, look, you're either going to work with me or I'm not going to be very happy in dealing with it. But that wasn't my nature. I just wasn't the kind of person that wanted to but I think we've respected each other. She called me just a couple weeks ago to want me to go to something that her son was doing that had to do with government. So we've been respectful. I think I got to know her more since she was governor than the workings while she was governor. Wallace Wilkerson. Uh, well, I think Wallace speaks for himself uh, for what happened to him, and I can't really add anything to it. Uh, I don't want to, you know, I never understand why the media couldn't find out what happened to 500 million. Have you had reason to think about that? I don't know. Uh, but uh, he, he got off his feet apparently. And I remember we were doing a bus tour in, uh, under uh, Paul Patton, who uh, I'm a great admirer of. Uh, and uh, he was on the bus. We were driving around to different places. We started the AA Highway and Highway 25 in Paintsfield to Ashland. And we were up there. and. Uh, I remember I, I, I smelled liquor on his breath, so I knew something was up. And, I, you know, he took Dave Thomas in, who used to work for me at Wendy's, that lost that money. So I regret that happened, and I think it was a black mark on, the, on Kentucky leadership. In fact, let me say this, we've had a lot of black marks over the years with our political leadership as far as the integrity of that. And I think hopefully we're past that in the last 25 years. Brereton Jones. I like him. I like him. Wasn't very active in the administration and know a whole lot. I know he was for the health bill way before it was time to be for it. Paul Patton. Like him a lot. And I hired him because he's an angry guy. I went to some cold meeting and he was raising health everybody. I said, that's my kind of guy. <laughs> and I had him in here and he was just like Frank Metz. He was, I mean, they were both killers. And uh, But I helped him get elected governor because I made him chairman of the Democratic Party. You don't get anybody mountain other than Bert Combs going with uh, Wilson Wyatt to get elected. And Paul was chairman of the party, got around to where everybody got to know him and like him and trust him. But a very competent guy. Ernie Fletcher. Don't know anything about him other than I tried to help him when he got in that trouble. And I sort of resent this, not personally, because we both went to Lafayette. In fact, we spoke at the 75th reunion here we had a couple of years ago. And... Uh, but uh, he called me about something doing the flood in New Orleans. I said, sure, whatever you want. And that was at a time where uh, he, want, he uh, wanted to meet with me. 
And uh, I, I told him, I said, I want to talk to you about advice if you're a lawyer and your chief of staff can be there. And they called me this morning. I think his, some member of his family committed suicide and he couldn't be there. And so I met with a lawyer and I said, look, I'm going to go to Stumbo. And I don't want the Democratic Party. There's been a front page story in the Herald Leader on this. Uh, the Democratic Party doesn't have any right to go condemn him or put him in jail and all this bad publicity. Democrats have been doing this for 50 years about hiring political people and putting them in government. And I, I, don't, I don't agree with that, but it's time to stop. You've made your point. And so they said, oh, please, Governor, because they thought he might be indicted and whatever else. And uh, I went to Stumbo that afternoon. You got because Stumbo's pretty hard-headed mountain boy. And I spent an hour and a half with him. And he kept saying, all right, I'll do that, but, and that, but that but never did. I said, look, I've been around too long. I know what but means, okay? I want to understand exactly what we're talking about. You're not going to do anything. You're going to let him get out of this without any kind of more embarrassment on our state and call it a day. You've done enough damage to the guy, okay? And he finally agreed. We shook hands, and he would have honored it. I went back and told the chief of staff and his chief lawyer, oh, thank you so much, Governor. Never heard another word from Ernie. And five days later, he fired, what, five or six of those people down there. But I could have helped him. And it might have been elected governor or whatever, but I, I'm, I'm non-political when it comes to what's good for Kentucky. I mean, I'd like to see Matt Bevin do good, even though I'm upset with what he did about the teachers and some of the other elements. But I want to see our governor do well, uh, who, whatever party they're from. Steve Bashirs. I like Steve. I didn't like him early because I didn't like when I ran against him. He spent his whole budget uh, allowing me to lose when I'm 24 points ahead and allowed Wallace Wilson to come in on a lottery vote, you know. And But I held that grudge, but I, I learned to like him and respect him and his wife, too. I think they're very earnest and, and very active, and we've become, uh, I think, very very good social friends. And the current governor, Matt Bevin, which? I think he's really probably has more ideas of what needs to be done I mean, we have problems in education. If you don't recognize it, you're not keeping up with what's going on. I don't know the solutions. I don't know enough about the methods of education, whether it's they teach in Shanghai, the number one, or in Finland, or whatever the greatest is. But you want the best for Kentucky, and we need change. And he's an agent of change. Uh, not all of it I agree with, uh, but uh, I think that's the kind of leadership we need if we're going to maximize potential, because I've always believed the potential we have in Kentucky. And I, we brought in UPS and really laid the foundation for Toyota over here. Uh, the legislature wouldn't give me a budget. And so I hired my guy from KFC. I said, you're in charge of economic development. And they got the guy that made the contact with Toyota and brought in 150 companies from Toyota work for the state for 30 years. So indirectly, so we're involved in that. Again, some people that you have been associated with or followed or watched over years as both a student, governor, and as a fan uh, around Kentucky. Let's start out with Jim Host. Jim, I, he's like the Bill Young was to Lexington. You know, Bill Young was sort of the father figure, and Jim has undertaken that role, and he's done so many good things. I'm a big fan of Jim because he really cares about Kentucky, whether it's a new baseball stadium or the new coach or the, the Yum Arena, uh, or KET, that he was very fundamental. KET is probably the number one um, positive thing that's happened in Kentucky in my lifetime. 
from the legislature. I think the second was the Center for the Arts that we built in Louisville. And, uh, and it's been a centerpiece for Louisville and, and for the state for that matter. Happy Chandler. I don't like him because he didn't like my dad. And uh, I don't hold grudges, but I do hold that one because that's long living. Uh, I was a friend of his sons and Dan, Ben, and family don't hold against him. But no, when you carry a grudge for your dad, it carries on. Why would I need to change that? Dr. Otto Singletary. Like him, respect him. And uh, whether he ever gave me, uh, I always respected him and I always had a, a, a good soldier. And let me say this, he's the one He's the one that made possible the Sanders Brown Center on Aging in the UK. And because uh, I had it all set up, I asked him, he said, we'll get it done. And it's the number one program they have out there to study Alzheimer's and, and Parkinson's. And I did that in honor of my dad and Colonel Sanders. They've done a fabulous job. Dr. David Roselle. I wasn't overly impressed with him. He, he, uh, he certainly had the reputation. Uh, he was a little bit of a, a self-grandizer on all the great things he did when we had, I thought, a small problem with a $1,000 donation to be the shame on Kentucky at the cover of Sports Illustrated. And uh, he had his reason, but I know more about the facts of that than uh, most people do. You want to share them with us? No. No, but I, I found this out 20 years later. I mean, $1,000. Somebody put in an envelope. Uh, and I'm not saying Eddie Sutton knew anything about it, but I became friends with it. And I told Eddie when all this was happening, I said, just stay quiet. Don't, enter, don't entertain the fray. And then they start on him and all the dinners that people were picking up checks and all the nickel and dime things. That happened in college football. How much do you think Eddie's fight with alcohol affected his tenure at Kentucky? Oh, totally. Totally. But I respect him. He fought it, had a son, and, uh, and, and he finished his career. Uh, Two final fours. Huh? Two final fours at yeah. Oklahoma State. I didn't like his style of basketball, it was too slow. And Skywalker, I mean, he was a one-man team, you know, and he was incredible. But I did respect him. I tried to help him. Uh, and, unfortunately, he didn't know enough about politics to understand you don't talk. And he had nothing to add. You know, whatever happened, happened. Somebody else going to handle that. And I think if he hadn't, I don't think they would have targeted him because he became center stage of information. Do you, you agree? Yeah. Dr. Charles Weathington. I like him. I respect him. Uh, I didn't think he necessarily fit the core of the kind of college president we had, but I think he was very effective. He was uh, he was well known for being the father of the community college system. He sure was, yeah. and that's important. And, and he built the W.T. Young Library too. And he felt in years since then that the University of Kentucky lost a tremendous amount of clout out in the state when they changed the names of the community colleges. You agree with that or not? I haven't kept up with it because uh, I don't, you know, I don't live in a community where we have that uh, as a, a major program. But I think the community colleges are very important to teach trades that people can go make a living. I had one big complaint. This is back when I was governor. Ed Pritchard, they had all eight college presidents. And we're all in a big room, about 200 people, and it was hot as the devil. And I asked, 
to provoke the crowd. I said, why do we have to have a college education? Because I didn't learn anything. I played poker, sold encyclopedias, and had a girlfriend. In that order? In that order. And uh, I said, you didn't teach me anything I need to learn. I had to take geology, I had to take physics, I had to take Latin. I wasn't interested in that. I said, I didn't really learn anything. I got to law school. I had to learn that if I'm going to be a lawyer. And I said, why can't you prepare people for a career? You spend four years of life. And they said, oh, it's broad-based education we're giving them. And I think those times are changing. My son went to, to uh, Orton School of Business. And they sit you right down, and they have a staircase looking right down at you as a student. And they teach. And uh, I think we ought to teach the kind of curriculum where people can gain insight and training or, or, or motivation for career. I think Eastern was one of the first colleges in the country that exposed careers to students when they come in as freshmen. And I think they ought to be analyzed as to what their aptitude is so they can learn about where they're going. My daughter, when they're graduating, Elliot calls me and says, you need to talk to daughters who are graduating. They had no idea what you're going to do. And back in our day, most people, I don't know where I'm going. Where can I get on, you know? So I think times are changing. I think the modern-day communication is incredible. I mean, everything's based on information, Oscar. You wouldn't have had that newspaper if you'd had the Internet back in the days. That is true. <laughs> and uh, today, I mean, I learned more now by the Internet. You're never going to find me in a library reading books, okay? And all the information right there, so... Dr. Lee Todd. I like him. I respected him. I never felt he was comfortable in the job, but he really worked hard, did a lot of good things. He, he brought in uh, uh, Dr. Carp that built the hospital program, brought in some quality people. He was an entrepreneur. I liked him. I never felt he was comfortable. It's a hard job. I'm not sure Singletary was. And this Capiluto, he's at home. Well, that, that was my next question, Dr. Eli Kaplan. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's good. He, you, you don't want anybody in a job that doesn't feel comfortable and confident. Capiluto was. He, I guess with age, had nothing to lose, and he has his own ideas, and they're working, and everybody uh, is very impressed with him. I think we're impressed with Lee Todd. Lee Todd did a lot of good things. I was glad to see Dr. Capiluto honoring Dr. Todd for bringing Dr. Carp in because he did more for the university than anybody in my lifetime. Uh, Dr. Carp. Not many people outside the medic profession know who he is. He's responsible for that monstrosity that's the medical center at UK. How important is that to the entire state? You know about the Chandler Hospital? Yes. Now, I don't know about the monstrosity. I haven't kept up with the numbers. But I was impressed that Kentucky Medical Center, the Chandler Hospital, was the number one hospital in the state, but whatever that ranking was, it was like two years in a row. And I saw that transform. As I get older, you go to hospitals more, you go to doctors more. And I was so impressed in the big bureaucracy that that big, I won't, they don't know who I am, the guy in gray hair, they don't. But if I need a dog, I They knew you, you probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. No, that's right. <laughs> no, but, but they would guide me to wherever off. They'd walk me all the way down to wherever. I just saw that change, and you're in the people business. And I think he did an incredible job. I don't know about the finances, but I know I just got a, I guess a UK report on the, the medical aspect and so thick, I don't know if I'll read it all, but I've got it to read in there. Harry Lancaster. Well, he was uh, a friend of my dad's and you know, he and Rupp and my dad, they had breakfast over at the Wildcat Grill for years and years. Didn't know him well, 
But he was center stage. He was very active here. Cliff Hagen. I always liked Cliff more as a basketball player. And, and everybody liked him. I mean, he looks like Clark Gable even now. He's 85 or whatever. And still plays tennis. So I admire the life he's lived. And, and I always had a respectful relationship with him. Larry Abbey. I uh, never, did, never did respect him much. He was too much of the inside politician. I, I, I do respect uh, C.M. Newton that, that pushed for him out of loyalty, but I didn't think he was a fit. Uh, it turned out it wouldn't. I, I think he made a lot more out of the how mummy thing because he had other ideas. He wanted to have his own mark. And, and uh, I happen to be a fan of, uh, of Coach Mummy just because he brought something here we never had before. Uh, and, and I think the next coach after Mummy, if he had tied in to be his defensive coach, he might have been able to make something out of it. The Sam um, Newton. Uh, the best. The quality. He lifted our whole program across the board. Mitch Barnhart. Well, I've sort of said, Mitch, that I'm upset about giving our football coach a $17 million buyout or whatever after he's had four or five losing seasons. And uh, I put, he's a nice man. Uh, uh, he's uh, a quality person, but I'm, I'm not confident he's going to build any kind of football program. I'd like to see different. But uh, I've said that before. I've got to say what I believe. I don't think he's going to take us to the promised land or take us to the levels that we deserve to be because we certainly made the investment and uh, I'd like to see better results. If he changes, I'll be a happy camper, but until then, I haven't seen much. Basketball coaches starting off with Adolph Rupp. Well, he's, he created the excitement and the top competition for Kentucky to play in the NIT and the NCAA, and he really built the basketball program for our state that we still live on, even today. Joe B. Hall. I like Joe B. I never did know him well during his years. And uh, he probably was a little offended because I wanted to keep Adolph another year. But he, he never said it, but we've laughed about it. I have a high respect for him. I mean, he's 88 and still kicking, so he's an inspiration to me. I'm about five years younger. But, I mean, he's very – and I love what Calipari did in honoring and recognizing Joe B to give him the, cre the credit and the honor that he deserved. Eddie Sutton. Is that a first statement? Yes. You agree? Yeah. Eddie Sutton. Eddie, uh, I think he had the drinking problem, and, and that was the problem. He's a hell of a coach. He wasn't exciting Kentucky basketball, but he built us, what, a 24 and 3 year or something like that? First year, he was, you know, yeah. one shot away from being in the Final Four. Yeah. And that was a year that. Uh, and we didn't have a whole That lot. was a year that Louisville won the tournament, and they beat Louisville in the regular season. We didn't season. have a lot of talent in those days. Well, he had, he had Kenny Walker. And, I know, he had Kenny. He was and, the team. Yeah. I mean, he was like 25, 30 points a game. Yeah. Uh, Rick Pitino. I, personally, I never really related to him. He was a Kentucky coach. I admired what he did, but I don't admire the, the example as a public figure that he, he led. Tubby Smith. Tubby, uh, uh, when, when he started playing his son in the backcourt, I stopped going to games. And that was a mistake. And uh, you couldn't find a higher quality person than Tubby. Uh, I, I called up the Minnesota. I knew one of the community leaders up there. 
and told him what a great guy he was, but he was unhappy later because Tubby wouldn't recruit. Now, now that he's down, where is he at Memphis now? Or? Well, he left Memphis, he's now in High Point. Oh, I didn't know, but yeah. uh, I, he, he hadn't lived up to per, perhaps the potential we all thought he had. I wish him well. He's a good family man and a quality human being. You won't find anybody nicer than W. Smith. But you got, you're talking to me about sports. I got to sort of call it like I see it. Football, Bear Bryant. Oh, I love him. I just love the manner. He was a young guy. What was he in mid 30s when I met him? Uh, or earlier? Yeah, earlier. He's probably 30 years old, 31. And I just like the way he handled players. He had them scared to death. He had them by guys. They were, they were older guys. They weren't college guys. They were recruits coming here, 23, 24, 25 years old. Uh, Jameson and Bob Gain and all that crowd. I didn't know him well, but I was around enough to, to, to live in the aura of a championship team. I was out in Tennessee when they got beat 7-0. I was in New Orleans when they beat Oklahoma. With, uh, and so I've, I've had the full Kentucky experience. Blanton Collier. Well, probably unrecognized for the job he did. And Made the tough. mistake of following the legend? Well, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But he was a hell of a coach. And, he, and Bob Hardy was my best friend back in college, one of my best friends. I helped recruit him from Paducah. And I enjoyed it. And Bob wasn't a great athlete, but he was a great quarterback. Beat Tennessee three years in a row. As a Kentucky coach, that's enough of an honor. Charlie Bradshaw. I didn't relate to him. And Phil Greer, my buddy, that played for him, that owns the Cheddars here, that now put the money in center point. One of the great Kentucky stories from a mountain boy. Absolutely. The best. Yes. And I'm so proud of him. I want to promote him to whatever. Uh, because he, he was, was one a, of my earlier podcasts, too. Was he? And he was really, he likes to talk about the uh, sack that he put his clothes in on his know. first trip to Lexington. Patched jeans and torn yeah. t-shirt. Yeah, over. yeah. And you know yeah. what? I bet he was driving a brand new Ford. Well, that is, he's a school teacher, 17 years. Yeah. Taught tennis and assistant football coach. Goes out and makes a couple hundred million dollars because he knew how to sell. He found out he's such a charmer. You're not going to find anybody better looking than old Phil Greer. <laughs> and got that country slang by a guy that will sell you out anything you got. I love the guy. And he, he's a mountain through, through. But we have so many successful mountain people. John Ray. No, he, he didn't fit. He was too big time for us, both in his own mind and, and what he did here. Fran Kersey. Like Fran. Uh, he, had, uh, he did a good job in recruiting finally after his fifth year or whatever. And I want to see him do well. I enjoyed him being coach because we were friends and I felt more involved at that time. And in fact, I called him several years ago. There's some priest here in town that uh, I said, you know, I like Fran. He said, we ought to call him. I said, you know what, I should have. Yeah, I should call him. And I called him, we had a nice conversation. And uh, I had this run into him somewhere years after I'd been sort of the cause of him uh, leaving or whatever, and he gave me a big hug, which you know, showed me a lot of class. And that's the kind of guy he is. Jerry Claver. Don't know him, after I have respect for him. I mean, you know, he came from Maryland and didn't have the credentials I wanted to see to build a winner, but he did a solid job. Bill Curry. Bill was a disappointment. I mean, he looked like what we're looking for, right? So I would have made a mistake because I would have hired him too. <laughs> One of the greatest speakers I ever heard. I don't know if you've ever heard him speak. Yes, I have. But the best. And he had all the ingredients. But apparently he just couldn't relate the kids 
and bring perhaps the assistant coaches in or whatever to build a winner. How many? Well, Hal, uh, Hal is sort of a, he's some outside the, you know, he's like an Oscar Combs from Hazard, okay? And uh, came from a small college, but he, he had the ideas, he'd bold enough, put his son in there, have a fake punt from his own 20 yard line. <laughs> huh? uh, and he was fun to watch. And, uh, but he changed college football. How can you discount the impact he had on college football? Now, that was from one mind. You can give Leach credit, whatever, but he was the man. And so I've kept a relationship with him. I like him. And when he got in trouble, I thought, if you didn't do anything, don't you dare back off from anything. And he told me years later, it saved me about a half a million, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But uh, I've never heard anything since that puts him in the middle of it. And I like to think that nothing happened. But you know how rumors go in the news media. Yes. Fake news. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> He was only here two years, but he was part of the mummy era and then went on to Baylor Guy Morris. I tell you, he was a hell of a coach here his last year. Uh, and I regret maybe we lost him at the time. Were we eight and three? Or eight and seven, four? five. Seven, five. Yeah, but he. he we he, could have been eight and four, but we I lost that game a, to he, LSU. He had a lot of outstanding assistant coaches, play. as I recall. And, uh, and he looked impressive. And, uh, you know, maybe he wasn't a man. He didn't do it at Baylor, and he had problems later. But I respect the job he did here. Rich Brooks. I, I guess I wasn't excited because I didn't see anything in the St. Louis pros that impressed me. And uh, I guess I was wanting to see a little more excitement, but he was a solid guy and probably did as much with the program as anybody could have done. But I was never a, uh, in the applause class. But... Uh, I thought he, he gave us some very competitive. He gave us a couple of our best teams with that quarterback. I forget his name, the tall. Uh, Woodson? Yeah, Woodson. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good team. Wasn't that the year we beat LSU? That was 07, yes. 07. Yeah. Yeah. Beat LSU and Louisville. And Louisville was ranked in the top 10, and LSU was number one. Yeah. Joker Phillips. I, I just, I don't think, you know, I think it was more out of sympathy and the loyalty to give him the job. I didn't think he had the background for it. I liked him personally, and, uh, and, but I, I never was a fan because I didn't think he could build a winner. And, uh, but, you know, respect him as a person, but I just didn't think it was a fit. I didn't think we should have a coach in waiting to where we, we couldn't look around at the time as what best suits our needs. I thought that was a political part on Barnhart that made me lose confidence in his ability on football. I mean, our football has not been very good since he took over. Mark Stoops. Well, I've, I've pretty much said, Mark, I just don't think he's shown us anything yet to get excited about. And I think he better produce. And I, I don't like the fact that they gave him a longer-term contract every year. He's 6-5 and five or 7-6 and six or 6-6 six and six or whatever they did. I mean, that's bureaucratic. You know, I mean, the competition last year, uh, I, I hope he does well. Uh, he certainly is a good public representative, but I think what, you know, we've been losing too long and having too damn many excuses. And at some point, we ought to demand a winner or, or some kind of improvement, so. Over your 80-plus years, yeah, your favorite all-time Kentucky basketball player, UK. Well, off the top of my head, just real quick, comes Kyle, not, not Kyle Macy, but uh, the young fellow from Owensboro, Rick Seven. For some reason, he was my, 
I grew up with Cliff Hagen and Frank Ramsey in Sheropolis. And I grew up with Frank Beard and the old girls. Those were my favorite teams. Uh, but as far as the player, uh, Rex Chapman was just jump out of the gym and he could do so many things and a great sure and hate to see him go to the pros. But as far as a player that really excited you, and we've had a lot of exciting players. Uh, Dan Insel was exciting, but he wasn't like the Rex Chapman. We never had anybody like Rex Chapman around here. And, uh, and I'm, I'm glad to see he's back in Kentucky and being embraced. He deserves to be. He's really a quality young man. Favorite all-time UK football player? Oh, no discussion there. Bay Pirelli, come on. Your favorite? You agree, all- surely you agree. Um, well, I didn't your, see him. That, that was before, before my before time. Your time. <laughs> uh, oh, but man. I won't argue with I would probably, in my time, I'd probably have to go Tim Couch. But with Babe, I can't argue that. I'd probably be saying the same thing because I watched him. Oh, Babe. All of us that knew him, I mean, he, he was a landmark. And uh, he was in here a couple of years ago. It seemed like yeah. it wasn't long before he passed away. Always came. And always kept his loyalty in Kentucky, though. Yes, and he, when he come back, he always would visit Wheeler's Pharmacy for breakfast. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, favorite, favorite all-time Kentucky basketball team? High school or college? College, UK. Oh, it'd have to be Hagen, because we, we're world beaters, you know. I love Johnny Cox and Vernon Hatton and the 58 team or whatever. Uh, and uh, I went over excited about Patino's team. They had a lot of really good talent. I remember up in New Jersey or where we played, uh, played Syracuse. 96 uh, Final Four. And uh, no, I mean, I, I grew up in gray hair with Ralph Beard and Groza. Uh, and uh, that, the, I guess the 50 team, a 48 team. Fabulous five. Fabulous five. I mean, they six won the gold one. medal. Huh? Won, the, well, won the gold medal. Yeah. Your favorite all-time UK football team? Oh, the 19, uh, when we beat Oklahoma. And I think that was the year we lost Tennessee of seven nothing. That is fifty. Fifty or fifty one, yeah. yeah. One UK basketball game that stands out among all others. Playing Guy Rogers. I remember I was young enough to cry in the stands. And he made like remember Guy Rogers? Yes I do. Played for Temple, I think. Mm, uh Baylor, wasn't it? No, Temple. Temple, yeah. Yeah. And he made one from like midcourt with two seconds left. And it just tore my heart out. Now, what that meant, you asked me an event in my, and we've been a lot of them where we walk out with tears in our eyes. Uh, but that's the one game. Now, you know, you asked me off quickly off the top of the head, uh, but that's probably what I'm more interested. I'm in high school and college, and really keeping up with every player and every team. Your favorite one UK football game. Well, when Ferrelli played, and in recent years, uh, the one that Derek Ramsey and R. Still played, when they had that great year, eleven one or whatever it was. I'm going to switch back and forth just a little bit. Sure. Best political decision you made while governor. Well, first of all, 
this sounds self-serving, but to have no politics and have total integrity where the Courier Journal even commented we were wholly honorable and ethical. You don't see a newspaper ever saying, they never say nice for four years. That's not their job. Their job is report news. And uh, that, I think the quality of people that I was able to attract from the W.T. Youngs to the Bruce Lunchards, the Larry Townsends, uh, the Grady Stumbos, the Bill Sturgill's, I mean, uh, we, we had a team of all Americans. Uh, Trump would do well if he could have gotten the quality. I, I got lucky, and and uh, that that was the most important thing I'm proud of. Now, we, we brought UPS to Kentucky, and we laid the foundation for Toyota. We did a lot of things I'm proud of, but I never tried to promote our administration. For some reason, I didn't feel comfortable, and I abolished my press operation after a year. When Frank Ashley was hired by Herman Hammer at 200000 a year, I said— I remember that. And I was happy for him. But even a handmaker, he's just always worried about it. I didn't want to worry about news. I, I wasn't concerned about it. And probably should—I couldn't buy, find anybody I felt comfortable to speak for me. If I best, had, or go ahead. Best sports decision you made while governor? <laughs> Oh, I guess yeah, have the UK play uh, UFL. I still think it's good. Yeah, you saw the red and white, the red and blue film, yes, which shows their anger and yeah. their, and those guys are now working on a book for the Colonel, uh, but they're not going to do the book the way I wanted to honor the Colonel. So I I, I don't want to help them on it. Your best business decision, not as governor, but your best business decision. Well, uh, mostly luck. I've been able to find my way in the arena and find a place for me and how I could get a partner and have like a partnership arrangement. I can't believe that I was able to do that at such a young age. Uh, the Boston Celtics were happy to be the no-brainer. I didn't pay anything to swap Buffalo for them. And the timing was right. I, I don't know, you know, business decisions a lot to do with timing, circumstances, opportunity. And I don't give myself too much credit. I like to give myself more credit on being in the right place at the right time and knowing what to do with it. Your worst political decision as governor. What did you screw up the worst? Ain't nothing I feel guilty about. What about you don't feel guilty about? That needed uh, oh, oh, probably probably the cursory thing was the only public thing that I felt guilty about it, because let me tell you this, uh, Oscar, I, I'm not, you don't find me negative on anybody, anything, but Kentucky football, yes. I've been probably the only crusader publicly because no one else will speak out, okay? And not enough. I've never had one person thank me forever challenging the UK to do better, okay? <laughs> not one person come up and say, yeah, I'm glad you spoke up. So it didn't do any good. Your worst sports decision? Um, well, I think Wendell Latner. Another one was I had I I one brought Moses Malone to Buffalo, and when I'm on uh, a business trip to to uh, Puerto Rico, uh, my partner traded him and didn't have the right to. I had 100% voting rights. Traded him to Houston for two draft picks, and I didn't want to get in a fight with my partner. Uh, and so that was a mistake I wish I had made, or I might have stayed in basketball a lot longer. We had Moses Malone, Bob McAdoo, and had a first-ranked team. If you had your career to live over, 
even though it's far from over right now. Well, if you had it to live over, is there any one thing you would have done differently? Yeah. I, I would have learned more about why education is important. And I regret that my son went to Wharton. Uh, John, my son, John, made 39 A's and 3 B's and won a scholarship to law school. And I, I never was, I never had the availability to learn like I wanted to learn. Like the internet, you can learn anything you want to in a matter of seconds. And I have ADD, so I'm, you're not going to have me sitting there read a 300-page book, okay? And, uh, but if I had been, if I had recognized early in college, but I'm not sure much I could have done about it because you couldn't pick your course. They said, this is what you take, you like it or not. And uh, I regret, I didn't, I didn't, I never, I wasn't fulfilled with my college days. And I so spoke that when I was governor. And, and I had the ideas, but I didn't have the confidence of knowing other people had done this. But I would have pushed to revamp the whole college curriculum and, and not spend money on a lot of wasted courses that, that aren't necessary to advance students. But that's hindsight. Uh, but I've been, you know, I've, things like not only so, I haven't regret about it. I mean, I'd be worth $2 billion. What difference would it make? What would you do with it? I never, never was motivated by money, as long as you had enough to do what you wanted to do. And so I just have been fortunate. And at this age, you just feel blessed. And I've got great children, a lot of exciting things still going on. This is not really sports related, but overall in your career, and where we're at today as a society. Our country's 200 years old. They say democracy generally doesn't last much longer than 200 years. Where are we at as a society in the political world in America? I think we're upside down. It scares me. And uh, I don't want to get involved politics publicly because my daughter works for CNN. And while I have a lot of opinions on that matter, and I understand the circumstances, I know President Trump. I mean, he came to our wedding. I have enough of history to understand what he's doing and why he's doing it. And uh, I, I regret what we're going through. I mean, I regret the kind of authoritating type of leadership that he's offering because that's not what a democracy is. And my dad best explained it, uh, that our leaders in government were Thomas Jefferson and and and, uh, and and Madison, and one of them, the father of the Republican Party, thought the purpose of government was to take care of the wealthy and the well-born, and they in turn would take care of the people. And Jefferson's philosophy was, you take care of the people, and the wealthy and well-born can take care of themselves. And that's a philosophy. Even though I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a business person, I feel like if you don't take care of all the people, then they're going to end up taking care of you. At the same time, I think you have to have more disciplines. It can't be just a giveaway kind of society where we expect everything without giving any return, but we've lost our way. And probably what part of the reason we lost our way, it just got boring. Politicians do the same old thing, and you got to where they were giving you the same old answers. And this disruptive thing, it's all exciting. It might be different. It might be better. And from the days of Roosevelt to the current, We've had change every administration. We go from old Roosevelt politician to Eisenhower, the guy that didn't know anything about politics, to the old guy Eisenhower, the young guy Kennedy, freshman, didn't know what he's doing. Then back to the old pros of LBJ and Richard Nixon, to Nixon, I'll never tell a lie, to Jimmy Carter, or I'm not a crook, so I'll never tell a lie. And you switch then to Ronald Reagan, Ronald Rod, to the young guy Clinton. I don't know, you just, you want change. 
And it's like seeing a new girlfriend or boyfriend when you're young, just get all excited about something different. We've had a lot of fun here, Governor. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's probably what I expected. I think I can't imagine asking more questions. You've done your own Well, my, 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 <laughs> my next question is, is there anything that we've not touched on that you would like to talk about? No, I think you've hit it. I just like to, I like to see us do better because I think it reflects this, who we are as a people. And I'm tired of people saying we can't do this. I don't know whether you're talking about from the mountains and what you can't do. A lot you can't do. If you can't do, don't do anything but move or find a place where you have a life. And that's not going to work in the mountains. But uh, we are keep searching for the answer. And right now, we don't have any answer with the drug problems or whatever. But I think we need to take some bold steps to give them the kind of support and leadership to bring about some positive change because it's not getting better. As Phil Greer says, every year there's a drop of 1% or 2%. I'd say because the mountain people are the culture that we're known as the people. And that's my feeling. I, I, and you see the leadership down there in Frankfurt. They've been the mountain leaders almost every year, even when I was governor, they were. We're all native Kentuckians. Yeah. You, Bo Robinson, our, my producer here, and me. To you, what does it mean to be a Kentuckian? Well... I think it's something we're born with. I mean, I was born to have a, 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 a connection to Kentucky. My dad was in politics. He ran for, you know, governor twice in the United States Senate a number of times. And it just, when I was in Tennessee with Kentucky, I was miserable. I mean, every night I'd write a little stand notes about now how say to that. Say that again now. I had Kentucky Fried Chicken down in Orange Country, okay? I couldn't stand it. Now, if my party, he put up the money. And I had a generous portion of, uh, of the ownership, and I was running the company. I mean, he wasn't active in it, except maybe one day a week. And I was having a ball, but I was just miserable having Kentucky Fried Chicken in Tennessee. Because all we think of is the big orange, how they trounce on us every year. And uh, I wanted to move back, and finally I did. I moved right back in the middle of a recession. It was a tough time. Built that big white column uh, headquarters in Louisville that I thought was going to be the franchise center of the world. And, we had a chance to buy Pizza Hut for $11 million, Taco Bell for $4 million. We were going to be the franchise king. And finally, I ran out of gas when I lost all my chicken people and started bringing all the corporate guys with handbooks and what you're supposed to do or all the mistakes you made. And I just didn't feel comfortable anymore. How would you like to be remembered? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I, I've, uh, I think for some reason... I would like to believe I've earned the right to be thought of as credible and honest. And uh, I don't want any other. I think that's the thing I probably learned from my dad. Don't ever tell a lie. And if I get to start one, if I'm overselling something, I'll try to stop in the middle of it and try to balance it or correct it. Uh, but I, I think uh, I give myself credit for being very lucky more than anything else and uh, I, I did I, I think a great job both in the governorship I enjoyed that so much I wasn't uh, I wasn't overly ambitious other than to change what I wanted knew how to change and I enjoyed it all my friends really came from business and I come back home to Lexington because it's home and you always go home so uh, my I don't think anybody uh, Oscar if I can say this has done more to promote Kentucky I've tried to from the background, from Kentucky Fried Chicken to the Kentucky Colonels to being governor of Kentucky. So 
it's in my blood. It was with me when I was a little boy. I, don't, I, I was not interested in owning the Boston Celtics. I'm sitting up there in a hotel wondering about going to some gymnasium where they practiced up there. It wasn't a nice place. And I just said, you know, this anything I want to dedicate my life to or be responsible for. So uh, I don't I don't have I have some regrets that uh, perhaps I didn't I wasn't as ambitious. I think I burned myself out KFC uh, because it just so many changes. You know, one year you're going international, next year you're buying back stores, next year you're going public, and my head was swimming because I didn't know anything. I mean, I never fried a chicken. Or, been arrested, but uh, those were great days. And they, they were the entrepreneurial days, and I enjoyed that. And uh, I've enjoyed my life. I think perhaps I could, I think if I have any regrets, I should have been a lifelong person in political service because I liked that. And it was different. You know, I liked being different. And we liked, we didn't make any deal with anybody. I mean, my first month in office, and, the uh, road people came in, had 50000 on the table here, just one donation just before I was elected. I said, we don't take money. Oh, no one's going to say anything. <laughs> Everybody does it. So anyway, I, I like to think we made a change. We didn't make it permanent. I should have got a successor and perhaps stayed in the game. And uh, that's the only regret I have because that's where I belong. That's why I enjoyed the most. I enjoyed being governor more than Boston Celtics or KFC or anything else. It was, it was an honor to serve. Our thanks to Governor John Y. Brown for taking the time to be a part of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. And our thanks to you for listening. If you missed the first two episodes in the series with the governor, those are episodes 65 and 66, and you're more than welcome to go back and listen to those at any time. To listen to those episodes and more, you can go to oscarcombs.com. For your mobile devices, you can subscribe to Conversations through the Google Play Store or iTunes for free. All you need to do is search for Ad Wildcat News, hit subscribe, and each episode will be automatically downloaded to your mobile device and available 24-7. For more with Oscar, follow him on Twitter. He's at Wildcat News. I'm Bo Robinson, and again, thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. And as always, go Big Blue.